0: Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who, as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners, know a thing or two about real estate Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties.
1: Well, hey. We're here. Let's talk. Let's the, the, do the The band's show. the band's back together. Tucker, you look good and rested. I imagine your golf game's a little bit better. You probably know how to surf by now, and you definitely look like you've been in the sun. So, you
2: know, I I do live in the tropics. I I guess I'm going on. Uh, it'll be two years as of the end of the month. Well, beginning of January, right? So it's home now it's not just a vacation away from home but yeah it's my golf game's still okay at best <laughs> i'm pretty good at pickleball i struggle
0: believing that tucker you're, you're one of those guys that annoys the hell out of me because you're good at everything good you do. at everything
2: yeah, yeah you're, a, you're a way better golfer than me i'm sure i golf is just one of those sports i enjoy being okay at so i can just go out and drink beer. Do you keep now.
0: a handicap tucker
2: no, and everybody here asks me that, and then that just kind of disqualifies me as like not a very good golfer because I don't have a registered handicap. Do you keep
0: a Do you keep a score every time you play?
2: Yeah, I'm like a bogey golfer. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. usually you know ninety ish,
0: nineties. Yeah, ninety,
2: ninety two probably. Yeah. Somewhere. Okay. Okay. So
0: you're probably around the eighteen handicap. Yeah. Although on, that, whole, that whole idea ahead. just
2: seems weird to me, but either way, that's what that's probably what I shoot. If I shoot in the low nineties, it's a good day. So.
0: Yeah. So, well, for those of you who are not as familiar with Tucker, he was my original co-host. This podcast, the Portland Real Estate Podcast, was his brainchild way back in like 2015, which shows you how long this has been going, nine years now. I remember Tucker reached out to me and he said, hey, I want to start a podcast and I think you'd be a good co-host, Steve. And I was like, what's a podcast? (laughs) Was that was really, really. I was perceptive. like, "Is that something off Star Trek? Like pod, <laughs> beam me up, Scotty? I don't know what, what it, what was it?" And and his his exact definition was, "He's like, it's on-demand radio. It's the future. It's where you can record things and people can listen to them whenever, wherever, however." And I was like, "Okay." And so we did. We started it, and it's it's evolved over the years. You know, it started out as a true true podcast only disseminated as a podcast and then along the way gosh back then we used skype remember tucker mm-hmm. in fact i remember one of the things you helped me with i'm i'm flat, i'm changing gears slightly here one of the things you helped me with and and maybe joe too right before the pandemic it was like early 2020 or late 19 we were about to jump on one of these. I think it was going to be the best of masters. And y- you said, hey, forget Skype. I've got this new tool we're using. It's called Zoom. I was like, okay. And we did it. And I was like, this is better than Skype. And sure enough, two months later, when the pandemic hit, I kid you not, I immediately bought a Zoom account and I told my team, all meetings, all communication is on this new platform. And 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 so we were... Well, you know, everyone figured it out pretty quick, but we were right there ahead of the curve, you know, slightly ahead of the curve because of it. So yeah, we started it on Skype. We would, and man, back then, Tucker, we did like a weekly one, right? Mm -hmm. For a long time. We did once a week and we were just trying to build an audience. And I mean, do you remember
2: how many, well, I don't want to bash realtors, but how many real estate people reached out to us and they're like, I like your show, but I can only watch it when I'm sitting at my desktop computer we we're like yeah. you don't have to watch it that way but you know i'm glad you're watching thanks yeah but yeah now everybody gets it they know how to yeah do
0: it. and and well and that was the that's the beauty of it and now everybody else does it and you know there's so many other but but we've got it we've got that loyal brand because of that right we have that loyal following and 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 then along the way i remember we would have regular guests and we, we you know we had everyone from kurt von wasmouth to Gosh, we had Zillow guy one time. I mean, we had some pretty great guests along the way. And somewhere along the way, I, t- I told you, I was like, I know this Joe Fistolo guy. I've done a couple deals with him. He's got a Facebook group. I feel like it could be a compliment to what we're doing. And I wasn't sure how. I just knew. I just knew we were both, you know, we were both running in the same circles of audiences, like real estate professionals. So I said, "Let's have lunch with them." That's how it started. And we went to Tavern on Cruise and we had lunch. And and from that lunch was born the idea. And it kind of evolved a little bit, but but basically, the best of masters. Like, let's unite the two things. Maybe we can live. I don't think we were yet live streaming it there. That that came a few years later probably around the time of zoom to be honest but but we would we would do a podcast where we would talk about things on on masters and and then we would promote it to the masters audience and and then i mean pretty soon we we joe was became a regular fixture on the show every few podcasts he'd be on and from there joe evolved into saying i think a, a turning point for joe's Went from being a regular guest to you know almost like a co-host was when we had our hundredth episode. He goes, I want to be on the hundredth episode. And that was not a best of masters. We go, okay, let's do it. And so that was a, that was a fun day. That yeah. was in your
1: backyard, Tucker.
0: In Tucker's oh, backyard. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Back when I lived in a big old house and next I to a pool. Yeah. yeah, in a pool. Next wow.
0: to your swimming pool. Yeah. So we did the hundredth episode. And then at that point, Joe would come on more and more, right? And there'd be more best of masters. And if there was a big, big guest, sometimes he'd jump on. And then somewhere along the way Tucker, for reasons I'll let him clarify, he's he like, I'm out of Oregon. Let's I'm, I'm going somewhere else, somewhere sunnier and better. And so it was a natural fit for Joe to slide into your chair. And here we
1: are. I'm always a big, big fan of helping people with knowledge and new information and cutting edge stuff. And this year, particularly, we had some very timely announcements, the new Oregon Realtor Forms. We had past president Jeff Wyron and Jeremy Rogers, the attorney that wrote those forms. On the day, those forms were released, right? Mm -hmm. And after the NAR suit in Missouri, we had Jeremy Rogers, an attorney, talk about what that means to us. I mean, we've had some super timely stuff. And what I really love about it is in Masters, we cover some really good topics. But to fully answer the question, if you are writing pages and pages of stuff, nobody's going to read it. But what they will read isn't enough to really unpack it fully, which is why this is such a great platform. And I got to do a shout out to our subscribers. We have some of the smartest subscribers out there because they understand that you always need to be learning to stay relevant, right? So they listen to us and they and they are getting this stuff that people who don't listen may not necessarily know. But I want to go back and pay a little homage to Tucker that how could you possibly know that a podcast was anything like August of 2015 was the first episode of Portland Real Estate Podcast. But back then, it was just a bunch of adults sitting around recording themselves for no reason, Right. Fast forward nine years, it's it's a substantial thing. All, mm. all the movie stars are doing it and they all have podcasts as well. Everybody as- has a
0: podcast, yeah. But they don't True. all have an audience. They don't all have an audience. And True. and now it's so noisy in the podcast space. If you try to build an audience, it's, it's much harder than somebody like us who started in 15 when there was no one competing with you. Now, the challenge in 15 was getting people to understand what a podcast was, how to download it and what to do. But once you did that, you had a pretty good audience because there was no other real-time on-demand shows online.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a new thing. I mean, you know, I knew it would work, which is why I went and got Steve, and ultimately why we, you know, brought you into it. It just happened to help that we all liked each other, right? And so that created synergy. And I've done a lot of podcasting now. So like I understand there's there's certain little bit of magic that goes into the ones that kind of stick or kind of propel themselves to the front of the line. And so part of our magic was we were at the beginning. The other part of it is, is that we had, you know, the three of us for a long time there that liked each other, that had good synergy, that had good conversation. And we were all in our own corners of the business, but a lot of people knew who we were as well. And then of course, Joe's got his group. So it was just, there was kind of a magical combination there, which is why it's sustained for nine years. And you guys are still running with it and doing a great job now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank
1: you. Well, thank yeah, you. we did. You know, we, we passed the torch because when you took off and left, my takeaway is, you know, I'll never forget that, Tucker, you started it and you and Steve were, were the guys. And look, we have, you know, real estate related professions, but, you know, our professions are, are different. Our work styles different. Our companies are different. Everything's different. But the one thing that we are gathered here and we're committed to taking the time, spending the money, putting in the effort is to share this information with all of our peers out there. And that's the big thing. And that's where I got excited is because everything, a lot of the big topics run through masters first. And then if we do the podcast, we can just touch on those things and expand on them here and sort of give the people what they want, right? If, if people are kind of left wanting or or it wasn't fully answered, here's the chance we can do that verbally versus trying to type it all out.
0: Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm the analogy that comes to mind when i think about that is both serve a valuable purpose and i'm talking about facebook group masters in real estate and the podcast and to me it's like you know what's more important a semi truck or a car right well what do you need to do do you want to deliver an envelope across town or do you want to deliver a couch across town i mean and and so like the facebook group is is awesome cuz you can get thousands of people talking right and you couldn't do that with a podcast, right? You could never have a thousand people on here all chiming in. But those thousand people aren't going to be able to say much. They're going to get a little bite size amount, in and and that's that's it. Whereas the podcast, you can only have a few people talking. In fact, I mean, we've we've gotten as many. We had we had a pa- our panel of of female agents a couple times last year, and you know we had five six people on, but that's that's about the cap of it, right? But you can say so much more, and you can really unpack things, and you can have a live conversation. You know what else I also like about it? I don't know if I've ever said this, but sometimes Matt and masters is better than most groups, man, there are some nasty groups out there, right? Some national ones where there's just so much cynicism and there's so much, I don't almost bullying and, and, and chatter and you can never say anything, right? Whatever someone says there's someone there to pick it apart. Podcasts are, are, are a little bit easier that way. In other words, it's really hard to to go if you have a sixty minute podcast. It's really hard to go and criticize, you know, thirty seconds of something someone said. It, you know, you can do it a little bit, but it's 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 not commonly done, right? Unless you really go off the rails and say something crazy, which no one ever has, and and that's another part of our magic, right? <laughs> We've we're all pretty good on the air. No one ever. No one ever said anything live, but we've done this live for a long time. That they're like, whoa,
1: <laughs> delete, delete. You can't There's delete. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. And I think the overall feeling in Masters is look, there's lots of real estate out there. We all collaborate with one another. Matter of fact, that's one of the headlines. You know, we we collaborate. We're we're not competition. I mean, yes, we are competition, but we're here to collaborate. And if a keyboard warrior like jumps up and tries to blast somebody, they're voted off the island. And then, you know, at least the group of masters is we have no more problems. That person lost out, but we have no more problems. And so know the know the rules. We tell them five times and then if we you had break the with- rules. You're out.
0: We had one recently. I posted. This is just a couple months ago. I posted. I mean, as as the mark rates were getting around eight percent or even. Uh, I think I read it, and it was. And I, I posted this, something yeah. saying Joe nuked him. He said, "You're voted off the island. Get out of here."
1: Yeah, <laughs> has nothing to do with Trump. It's just it could have been a Biden post, a Trump yeah, it was, post. It's, it's just wrong forum, dude. Wrong forum. Aware, and then people are like, "Dude, you better take that down, or you're gonna get booted." And I think he posted it again, and then. I was going to give him a little bit of a break, but I nuked him and, you know, no problem since then. Oh, it keeps you. It's dangerous
2: territory up there to post something like that. You got you're in hot water real quick. Not necessarily. (laughs) Well,
0: again, and it would have been the same result if it was the other side. It wasn't about who he was saying. It was just the fact that he he wanted to politicize a market commentary. Of course.
1: Of course. Yeah. But you Well, know. wait, wait till this coming year. We're going to see a lot of oh, political speak. You know, I think warriors. it'll be better.
2: I think it'll be better. Because remember last time COVID was such a screwy yeah, year time, especially in Oregon and in the Northwest. But, you know, there was just a lot of like really amped up people. And the only way you could communicate for a lot of people was via social media. So it just get funneled all positive, all negative to social media, which I don't think is going to be the case this next time around. So.
0: I don't know why I'm thinking of this analogy, but it's like, if you take an ant farm, I don't, I promise I never did this when I was a kid, but if you take an ant farm, remember those old ant farms? Yeah. <laughs> you just shake it up. Right. And, and they magnifying glass to it under the sun. <laughs> and they just all go crazy, right? First of all, for our listeners, I never did that, but I'm sure if you did that, that would be bad. That's what COVID did to people. It just made, it just brought out the most crazy. It just shook up all of society and even people you didn't expect to be crazy became crazy. And- Man, we'll be talking about that for decades, won't we? But yeah, 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 I agree with that. And and social media was where it came out. And yeah. And, and so to your point, Tucker, I think people and people were so confined because they were just in their homes and all on social media and all they wanted, all they could do was was communicate that way versus other things, which hopefully distracts them this time. Plus, hopefully this year or next year, it'll be been there, done that. If it's the same two candidates, what's the new material? Seriously, didn't you debate all this before? Hopefully it's not going to be pretty and fun. I'll tell you that, but it's hopefully better.
2: Well, let's talk about you, Tucker. What are you up to these days? Tell us about your journey. So, you know, obviously I left, I guess I'd be lying if I said my COVID experience didn't sort of push me along. A oh, little we bit. know that. Yeah, yeah, we know that, you know, and there was, there's some other things and, you know, I've been back. I still own a house in Lake Oswego. I came back this summer, had lunch with Joe. Unfortunately, you were sick.
0: It was terrible timing. Yeah.
2: But either way, you know, it would have been cool to get together. But me and Joe had lunch. And so, I, you know, I've been back and forth and whatnot. But I just, you know, at the end of the day, I've always said this and it wasn't like, you know, the end of COVID was the thing that kicked this off. But I always said, I don't want to die in the rain. Right. And so, although, you know, we get two to three great months a year there, there's no question. I mean, when I was back in the end of July, it's amazing, but then it goes from amazing to dog shit real quick at times. And so, and then when Diana, out, Diana,
1: hurricane maybe. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, there's that, and I. We're gonna uh, ask you about that hurricane here. Yeah, in a second. They're, they're, a category yeah, five hurricane. So yeah, I, I, yeah. that made me a local, supposedly. So yeah, uh, that was the tipping point there. But you know, I just I wanted to move somewhere that I could enjoy the outside. I could swim in my pool year round. I could, you know. 82 and sunny today you know i it's just a different life right and it's a different world it, it feels like a different world too but i i just wanted to experience that i wanted to kind of open up life a little more right because it, it when you're in the northwest sometimes you just you're in this little sliver of the world and it, i just i got to the point where i just i wanted to experience a little bit more and so and, and so did my wife of course so we decided to do it. it wasn't an easy task and it took a lot of planning and unraveling and, you know, closing out projects, paying off debt, doing all kinds of things that you got to do when you unravel a 20 year old business, especially in real estate and home building world. So it was a big thing. I think now, you know, I'm sitting in my office here in Naples. It's about three minutes from my house. So I pretty much recreated what I had with my office in Lake Oswego and my house there here in Naples, which is cool. But I, I just wanted to change. I wanted to change weather. I wanted to change of, of pace in terms of, of lifestyle. Uh, didn't you
0: say at one point that, forgive me if, if you're, you didn't want this on the air, but didn't you at one point say Naples makes Lake Oswego look like it's on food stamps? It does. <laughs> and, and that was... <laughs> Which, I mean, uh, and there's nothing... You weren't knocking Lake Oswego. You were just like, this is like yachts in the backyard next level, right?
2: Yeah. It's like, like literally, if I stand outside my office every seven minutes is a, you know private jet flying in flying out right like that's you know we had one one person that bought one of our houses over the years that flew in on their own private jet with their family to come see the house and then would check in on it like that was an anomaly it pretty much never happened right here it's like the norm so it's just it's just different in that way too so like price points here are significantly higher in certain neighborhoods and other neighborhoods you know not so much but the top of the mountain here is way higher than it is there. No question. I mean, you're sure. you know, 30, $35 million for a single family home here versus, you know, let's call it 10 Five. to 12. If you're on the yeah, lake yeah, and the sure. Oregon Island. And or that's,
0: something. and that's a rare one, right? There's yeah, only it's, a few. It's an anomaly, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah.
2: so there's just a lot more upward mobility <laughs> for us there. It also opened up, you know, a whole nother world that over the last two years, I've really built out on top of our home building business that I've restarted is a hospitality business. So, you know, now we have a sizable rental portfolio of vacation rentals. And so we run that and we, you know, I built that out and it flows really well and it's it's working out. And so, you know, that's a whole nother side of the business that I did. I had rental portfolio in, in Portland area and Lake Oswego, but I never ran them as vacation rentals. They were all long-term rentals, which is a completely different business.
0: Do they not have the tight reins on that? Like they do everywhere around here.
2: They understand that it's, so like, here's what I've concluded about you know the portland area right so like i have my house there people come and stay at that usually it's like midterm renters you know they're there for a month or you know two months something like that but most people come to visit portland in the summertime and they come for a family reunion or a wedding right or to see family outside of that not a whole lot of visitors here you get visitors year-round from all over the world so it's like a mecca for for travel and and people come here to drop a shitload of money and make great memories, right? That's what they do. Not nearly as many people do that when they come to Portland, right? They're coming there for family vacation or, you know, family mm-hmm. wedding, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So there's just a lot more money pumping into here for, you know, obvious reasons for the world of hospitality. And so it they pay a lot more too. So like, for example, you know, one of the houses that we're renting right now, we built two next to each other, right by the beach. One of them, I've got it booked out for all of the next, you know, four months. On the high side, we're getting 1200 a night. On the low side, we're getting 1000 a night over that course of that time. So it's just, you know, it would be pretty hard to get those numbers anywhere in the Portland area on any sort so of- So neighbors
0: that. are cool with with it being a transitory house with people coming and going, maybe partying and that, because that's where we get a lot of, there's a lot yeah. of HOAs and, and cities around here that have really clamped down on that.
2: Now, I mean, here's what I'll say about that, because I underwrite everybody that stays at our houses- pretty hard. Sure, of course, running a yeah. good business. The problem isn't necessarily with the vacation rentals. The problem is the fact that, that industry as a whole has a lot of idiots that never ran long-term rentals that got into it, that overpaid and over leveraged to buy a short-term rental. And then they put anybody and everybody in it that they can so that they can service their debt and hopefully make a few bucks at the end of the day. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that'll eventually work itself out as these kind of, let's call them, you know, lesser operators kind of get shaken out of the business, which is kind of happening right now. But in general, to answer your question, you have different areas here. So like the neighborhood that I live in, which is just across the road here from the office, there aren't any vacation rentals in that neighborhood because it's a full-timer neighborhood, right? And then you have, as you get closer to the beach, you have certain pockets that are, you know, maybe like half full timer, half vacation type people. So when you get into those types of neighborhoods, people just accept it, that that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. And and most people run their vacation rentals pretty well here because it's just a it's a fairly robust business here. Whereas it's not just mom and pop or some dude that owns a you know house that he's trying to run as a short term rental.
1: Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And that that pays probably what three x more than someone who rents a place for a year, doesn't it? Yeah, probably three to four x is what I've seen.
2: Yeah. Great. How many, how many do you have, Tucker? We've got six of them that we're running.
0: Are you flipping or building and selling at all?
2: I have one that we're building to, s- that we have built and we're, it's on the market to sell right now. And we have another one that, that we're renovating to sell right now. Okay. So, so
0: you are doing not, some of the old school stuff yeah, that you did. Not
2: as much though, because it's been an uphill battle. So
0: what's the uphill battle?
2: I guess that's the big elephant in the room, right? The The market's been, you oh, know, gotcha. I mean, yes. really yes. Yes. It across the country yeah. at different yeah. points of time over the last, you know, year, year and a half. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. Um, How's your market compared to ours in that regard? Is it better, worse, same?
2: I think they're the same, but they just are the same at different times, right? Like markets seem to like, they all get to the same places, but they don't get there at the exact same time. That's the thing that I I realized about here. The other thing too, is that the acceleration and the deceleration are much faster and much more vigorous on both sides, right? So like you can have a two to $300,000 swing on a house in a matter of a month here, right? Just based on the amount of buyers in the market, right? Because it, it just, it goes like this. And so It's kind of like buckle up, you know, hope you got a, your stomach, you know, you got a strong stomach when you, you know, you're building or anything spec here, because that's just, you can kill it, but you can also, you know, it can really wear on your nerves quite a bit as well. So it's just, it's kind of one of these types of markets. And so I think by having the, you know, the rental portfolio and running kind of the hospitality side, it just evens out my mental well being, and it also Mm -hmm. evens out the business a little bit. So we're not on this giant roller coaster for everything that we do.
0: How many would you say you've sold Tucker since you've been there just roughly? Uh we've sold three. Three houses, okay. Yeah. And has it been a challenge to find subs?
2: That's been a challenge. I will say it's very different. The one thing about Florida that I always say is that everybody's got a hustle, but not every hustle is a good one. And so that extends into the world of subcontractors as well and the challenge there the the, the real big challenge and how that relates is that you know when you have a big percentage of the market here that is like 10 million to $30 million homes, right? You then get a distorted view of what people will pay for services rendered. And so when you go to work on a normal $4 million house, let's say, and they want to charge $30 million house prices, then you've got a margin problem if you're a builder, right? Or if you haven't been here for a while, so it, it took us a good while to kind of get through all of the people that were just looking to try and make as much money on you as quick as they can. And that's all they care about.
0: Because um, they didn't know you. Part of it is because they didn't know you. Where is that? Part a, of it is cultural,
2: right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it, it, you know, it's a, it's a transport is very transitory in terms of the sub base. Cause you get a lot of people that come here to work and a lot of those people they're foreign. Right. And just the, yeah. culturally, they just try and make as much as they can as quick as they can before they might you know, get out of dot. Huh. whatever. Yeah. So we've managed to kind of sift through that. That was probably the hardest part. And now we've found a good core base of subs that, ironically, a good chunk of them all came from Oregon or, or Vancouver as well. You know, I've met them either randomly or through people that I knew that came here. And so we have a good chunk of those that were all Northwest original people that then moved down here to Southwest Florida as well.
1: That's awesome. They got That's tired awesome. of the zoning uh, requirements too, probably.
2: You know what? I haven't, We're here had with one, you. I haven't had one person come out and yell at me about cutting a tree since I've been here. And it's amazing. Let me tell you.
1: So, so
0: you, trees are fair game there, Tucker. I mean, fair, you have to, trees,
2: trees are fair game. Um, you even
0: have to ask the city or the ordinance. No, you just cut it down. Yeah.
2: Busted out the chainsaw the other day and cut down one that was right where I'm putting a pool. And uh, nobody said a word. And actually, when I bought that house too, this never happened in Portland. It's like a Family that had owned the house for generations, and it was like turned into a party house for the last 10 years. And it looks like it's like your classic crappy house we buy and renovate, right? And after the guy that lived there, his name was Randy, real loud guy, didn't wear a shirt tattoo. They said he ran a coke house out of there for years, too. So very like party centric house with probably some questionable characters coming and going all the time. On the last day when I shook his hand, and he left and, you know, whatever, the neighbor comes over and he gave me a hug. He goes, we're throwing a barbecue in your honor this weekend for getting him out of here and turn the house over. And I was like, you know what? That's the way it's supposed to be. Not, you know, <laughs> people mean mugging you or eyeballing you or looking to turn you in or, you know, call the city for whatever reason. Did you tear get.
0: down the house and build a new one or are you, just, or you flip, or you're just remodeling?
2: That one remodeling yeah. for various reasons, uh, yeah. but we, we bought it for sub dirt price so we could have tore it down too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you living in the same house that you showed me and Joe? Are you in the same place that you moved to? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: And you know, the, the irony of the neighbor, who's a pain in your ass, who like, he's cutting down a tree and he's getting mud in the street and like all of these things, they report it all. And you have to go through all the red tape and all the meetings. And then eventually you build it. And then all the neighbors are like, Hey, that place is great. I wonder how much my house appreciated. Right? Isn't that ironic? It's the same old model every single time.
2: I'll be totally honest with you, Joe. That wore on me so much. I felt like I was wearing like battle armor every single day. And honestly, I think it affected my overall... I know it affected my overall quality of life and happiness because I was just a, a battering ram every day dealing with the biggest assholes that you could possibly find. And as a builder, you're a magnet to those assholes in, yeah. in the Northwest. And it just, it's the reality of life there. It's what it is. And so I'm happy... I mean... There's still some of that. Don't get me wrong. It's not like that's completely non existent, but it's way watered down. I still don't know the complete reason for that, but that's why I guess I say it feels like a different world, right? In a lot of ways. And that's Mm -hmm. one of them.
1: So I listened to your podcast, The Journey, and that was your journey of giving up, you know, multi million dollar business here and then moving there on sort of a whim. And I don't think I've ever said it out loud, but. I knew that you would make it there because the model is unbeatable. You and your wife are amazing about buying things right and understanding trends. And we were talking about, you know, buy things on first base or third base and understanding the trends and you build one hell of a product. I think the only thing that changed is instead of like build and sell or rehab and sell, there's maybe even a more profitable model of rehab and keep. And if you're getting three to four X, then when you you know decide to punch the time clock for the last time and you have a stream of thousands of dollars a month, you know, you're just walking to the mailbox, that's your passive income. I knew it would work. Are you continuing the journey? Are you doing season two of that podcast? I may, but I'll be totally honest. It was a different style, which, you know, it was very
2: time intensive uh, to do. And so at a certain point, I committed to doing it and I did it, but it's like, at the same time, I have to rebuild this whole business here. Right. Uh, And now it's like a multifaceted business. And so I had to kind of make the choice of like, okay, well, do I want to double down in like, we'll call it the influencer content creation space, or do I want to double down on actually building, rebuilding this real business first. And so I had to kind of step back and rebuild this business first, which it's, it's working out and it's it's going well, but you know, there's only so many of you, right. And there's only so much that you can do every day effectively. And so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I think moving forward, you know, I've got plans, but I wanted to kind of get a good footing under me and kind of get the business going and flourishing again. And uh, once I get there, then I've, I've got more to share. Right. And I've got more time and I'm not, you know, in the trenches every day, you know,
0: you're not it's doing an not active either. podcast right now, Tucker, no active podcast or anything no, like that? No,
2: we're the first one that I started before you and I got together, Steve, I'm going to do a last chapter on that one starting at the beginning of 2024, but it's a little easier. We just grab a microphone, you know, I talk yeah. into it. it's sort of like this, right? This is pretty yeah. simple for everybody yeah. too. Yeah.
0: Can I ask Tucker two questions? You betcha. Because I, 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 I really am fascinated by his story. Hey, are the code requirements to build houses a lot different there? And did you have to get used to those because of hurricanes?
2: Yeah. So here we build bomb shelters. That's what they are. If it's got, if it's wood framed, nobody wants it because you've got, you know, termites and bugs and hurricanes and things like that. So basically you build on slab where you have a crawl space in the Northwest, right? You pour your foundation and then you've got a crawl space underneath and then you wood frame the house here. You do your site work, you compact the site, you pour a slab and then you do block walls all the way up and then they stick rebar in the block and then they backfill it with like a slurry. So literally like an atomic bomb could go off. And if you're hanging out on your couch, you probably don't even know it. So it's, it's kind of crazy, but the reason why windows are windows, different windows are different. So they have to be, they don't have to be impact rated, but if they're not, then you have to put up hurricane shutters. So basically every new product has hurricane impact rated windows and you have to get these little codes that apply to everything on the outside of the house that says that they're hurricane rated. And so the front end permitting part of the process is rather difficult because you have to counties and the, and the cities and the municipalities have to make sure that everything you're putting on that house is hurricane rated. Right. And so it can hold up to, you know, we have to adhere to Miami-Dade County uh, hurricane requirements, which is like 165 mile an hour winds, even though Cat 5 is 175 six, I think, but they build stuff to withstand up to 165.
0: Mm. So that was, that took some getting used to, right? Cause that's, that's cost that you're not used to, right? You had to kind of figure out like, Oh, what's it going to cost to build this? And there's a little trial and error there, I would assume.
2: Yeah. I mean that, and just like, what is it going to cost to build? Right. So like, you know, I was off Mm. by a couple hundred grand on each house we built, you know, but now I know. Right. Yeah. Insurance um, is tricky too. Right. Insurance is tricky. Having gone through Hurricane Ian last year, which was a cap five right before it made landfall just north of us here, you know, insurance was fairly cheap. It wasn't that much more. It was probably 2X what it was, you know, in the northwest. But then once that came through and just destroyed, I mean, even Fort Myers Beach, which is, you know, just north of here, it won't be right for probably another five years, honestly. But once that went through and all of that destruction happened the insurance rates jumped quite a bit. Now you could still, I mean, at the end of the day, things still sell, but it's just more expensive. You know, like for example, just on a typical rental property, one that I own that would be there, my annual insurance premium for, you know, normal, you know, fire, water, theft, whatever is probably going to be in like the maybe 16, 1800 a year range. You're talking
0: like. about Lake Oswego right now? Yeah, Lake Oswego. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, uh, yeah. same
2: one is probably at a minimum like 6,400 a year here. So yeah,
0: that's insane.
1: Yeah. But I get uh, yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you. So, a couple things I wanted to ask about Hurricane Ian. I wanted you to announce what we found out from the feds 40 minutes ago, because that's very timely. And then I wanted to kind of like go through 2023. I remember I called you on Hurricane Ian and I'm like I'm like dude are you alive? I was watching TV and it was like it was like a King Kong movie where King Kong picks up cars and throws them at helicopters and shit's going everywhere and it's mayhem. Like you're on the news, they don't post like boring stuff of a 2-foot puddle. I mean, they have like buses floating down the river and houses on fire and flooded at the same time, and the and newscasters I, always
0: I, crack me up in those hurricanes. They get out there, and the wind's blowing them, and they're talking, and they're they just love that. There's a whole shit, you know, drama to the, to that component. What did the, you do? Did you just stay at home and did you board up your windows and ride it out there?
2: We did, but it got it got weird because you guys were watching all that, right? And yeah. so were, so were my parents, but our cell service got killed the night before or that morning of our internet got killed because
0: the of the storm or something yeah, else. Because the, of the okay. Storm. Okay. Okay. So yeah.
2: we had no cell service, no internet, no TV. So eventually, so
0: you uh, don't know what's going on. I didn't know. I,
2: I felt like I was in a black box of like what the hell's going on. And so by about two o'clock the day that the hurricane hit it, it, which it was still, you know, it made landfall, maybe an hour before that, something like that, two hours before that you know, I was like, I got to go see like what's going on. Cause we were halfway through a few projects. And I was like, I just can't sit here anymore and just hope that everything's all right. So I got in our big truck and I drove around and there was water up to the, I mean, it's, it's a big, you know, Ford truck. It was, you know, water across all the major roads, you know, neighborhood just to the West of us flooded out, you know, fortunately, you know, the projects that we had, I learned really quick that the X zone means something very important here, which is basically a non-flood zone. They've got enough elevation that it's, you know, at 500 years or more flood level. And so, you know, nobody cared about that until Ian hit. (laughs) Now they care about it. Right. So I got lucky. There was one house I thought was going to get eaten by the water. I had, you know, towels, I was rolling up putting against the back slider and some other stuff. And fortunately right before it got to the house, uh, the tide started to go out and the water started to recede a little bit from all the inner waterways and whatnot. But yeah, it was gnarly. And you're right, Joe. There was cars, I drove by a Toyota dealership on the way up to one of the projects. Cars were floating out into the highway. They were floating down in the mangroves. They were, it was just, it was crazy. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, by far. Hmm.
1: Hmm, hmm, they hmm. killed, the, do they kill the power there before it hits just for fire prevention or it just got knocked out by the hurricane?
2: You know, I don't know. I think they probably killed some of it, but it, a lot of it got knocked out. But I'll tell you what, they had Florida Power and Light. They had like, 10,000 linesmen or something up and cranking. And so, you know, they got it put back together, the power anyway, as quickly as possible. But it was a crazy experience. There was, you know, I had one buddy that was on Barefoot Beach, which is just to the west of us here. And it's like this little peninsula. And at the end of it is a public beach. And there's these condo towers that sit right on the beach right there. And he was on the second or third floor and he sent me a video. He's like, I think I'm going to die you know, it was nice knowing you. And this, it showed the water coming up and all the cars were getting washed out of the parking garage underneath. And he had his family there and he can't leave because there was just so much water. And you're just hoping that the building doesn't collapse. But, you know, fast forward a year plus later, you know, a lot of these buildings are still, they don't know if they should be condemned or not, or if they can be repaired because, you know, the footings got so disrupted from all the water coming through and it's just all kind of just a big mess. So thankfully, he's okay. But it was, it was crazy. It was nuts. Did
0: you know anyone that had a horrific something, whether it's injury or, or their house completely wiped out? I mean, you, you, you yeah, probably, there were a lot of
2: people. Yeah. A lot of people there was, you know, the unofficial death toll was higher than Katrina, but they didn't put it out because they're still missing, but it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was a yeah. craziest experience I've ever been through. I'm fortunate to have made it through the other side, but now, is it fair, is power. it pretty
0: cleaned up now? I mean, is everything, or do you still go by some some areas and there's still some areas
2: are still like Fort Myers Beach? It's going to be five years before. I mean, it's it, it got decimated, and the problem there is that there's it's like if you took a an infill area, right? You're like let's say you took First Edition, and let's say a big wave came through and it trashed everything, right? All the houses got trashed. There's going to be a couple few people that try and put it back together and live there, but most of them are just sit there as shells or, or scraped. Or Cause whatever. they don't want
0: to, they don't want to be surrounded by that. They don't right. want to fix And, it and up then they're dealing so they're... with
2: insurance, yeah. but at the same time, you know, for developers to come in and rebuild it all, you know, every single property is an individual property owner sale. You can't just go in and buy the whole, you know, block. You can't do it. So it just takes time to yeah. be able to do that with everybody. So that's the big hinge pin there on time to, to allow this stuff to happen.
0: I wonder if there's an opportunity for a guy like you in that. Is there? there I mean, is that a whole market like of rebuilds?
2: Uh, yeah, there is, but I, I've thought about it. But at the same time, it's like, it's a long money play. Like it's yeah. uh, at what point.
0: Because if you're the first one rebuilding something, who wants to buy it and look at all the wreckage around right, it? And
2: who wants to rent it for a lot of money? Because there's no services really up there either. I mean, they did open Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville hotel, you know, restaurant, whatnot up there. But that's the only thing that's open on Fort Myers Beach, really, at this point. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Real quick question. Do you miss snow? Do you miss, like, any of the Four Seasons components? I know you don't miss the rain every day, but do you ever, like... Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's pretty mild there year-round. I mean, you're 82 today. What are you in the summer? Is it around the same or is it a lot warmer?
2: I mean, summer times, people... Most people that they, you know, live here for, let's say they snowbird they say, they call it, they leave from like, you know, end of May until September because they say it's too hot, too humid, whatever. I actually really love the summers here because it feels like a college town in the summertime. Everybody leaves, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want with no traffic. It's like a relaxed Jimmy Buffett lifestyle where everybody's partying and hanging out and you know it's it feels like christmas break all summer <laughs> is much, it like right? 90s but it's really mu- yeah <laughs> we get to like 92 that's about what it is but uh, but it's but that I mean, wet it is, heat right uh, yeah it, it's humid uh, for sure yeah. but it's hotter and more humid in charleston and savannah than it is here which uh i didn't realize until i went up there last summer and checked out like yeah. it's, and then you, it's up to like 95 there but the humidity is the same so that three degree difference in temperature makes a big difference in how it feels
1: and you have gators everywhere and like bugs that could like pick up small children isn't that correct
2: there's mosquitoes and there are a lot of gators but not a lot a whole lot of big bugs not there's, big there's bugs like, hythons, snakes but they're trying to eradicate those so
0: so do you miss any of the i mean at times do you miss the other weather
2: yeah, I mean, snow, like I went to Big Sky, Montana last winter for a yeah. week and went snowmobiling and, and snowboarding. And I'm going to go to Breckenridge in February. And I think in January, I'm going to meet some other guys out in uh, Keystone area, Colorado. So, like, I'll get my snow fix. What I don't miss is 40 anything and raining ever yeah. again. Yeah. Um, because there's no reason anybody should miss that.
0: So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think okay. I got my questions out. If if I have others, I'll I'll chime in with them. That was great, Tucker. It's good to catch up with you on all that stuff.
1: So, Tucker, before we went live on the air, something was just announced by the Fed, and do you want to like tell our listeners who might not have heard it what was announced?
2: Yeah, and this is interesting because I'm just pulling it up right now to make sure nothing changed. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so everybody was waiting, you know, to see what the Fed was going to do today. They didn't think that they would raise rates again, but the big question was just whether they would concede to lowering them as we head into 2024. And it looks like they said, not only are they going to not raise them, but there are multiple rate cuts on the horizon for 2024, which leaves the door open for, is that three? Is that six? What is it, right? We don't know, but I think it's important because it's kind of the inflection point of uncertainty. Because, I mean, let's be honest, I think a lot of the people were sitting on the sideline because- they can't see the end of the tunnel. Right. And, you know, part of it is affordability and rates, but part of it is, well, if things just get worse, prices are going to compress more. And I don't want to be the sucker that buys today when I can buy next year. Right. And so I think by getting to this point where, you know, everybody agrees that rates should go down next year in some way, I think it's, I think it's great for the market. I think it's a good thing. I think It's
0: awesome. It's big. It's huge. It's huge. I would even say conversely, Tucker, from our experience, I mean, maybe the best deals happened a month ago, right? Right before this. Now now that you see the tunnel, guess who else sees the end of the tunnel? The seller. And he's like, well, I was pretty desperate a month ago. I really needed to move. I needed to, to unload that place. Now, maybe if it doesn't sell with you, maybe you know next month or the month after would be better, right? Versus not seeing the end of the tunnel. So yeah, it's, but it's all positive, all positive. My gosh, I'm I'm ready for some good news. I think everybody in our business is ready for some good news. I can't believe Tucker... How few transactions have been this year nationally? It's. I saw something yesterday that said it's even. And I'm not talking prices. We know. We all know that home prices have held fairly steady, right? We're down a little bit in Portland. I don't know wh- what you're like there. Same. Probably same. We just yeah. got to
2: do it at a different point.
0: But the transaction count is lower than anything during the Great Recession. I heard. Yeah. I heard yesterday. Basically they're projecting something like 3.9 million units sold in 2023. The last time there was that few units sold was like 1993. And the only reason it was 1993 it wasn't because it was my understanding is it wasn't because there was some crazy situation even though there might have been a little bit of one. It's also just population and and you know housing units out there. So I mean in a lot of ways, this was worse for us. It's not worse for our consumers. It's not worse for our clients. They had it far worse in, in 08, 09, 10, because they lost so much equity and value in those because of the foreclosures. But for us in the business who make a little commission or piece of the action on any transaction, whether it's mortgage lenders, title realtors, builders, we make we make our money when, when something sells, right? I mean, we've been basically in a transaction recession for a while and we still are, but maybe this is the inflection point. And it it felt to me like October, November is when it really, really was, you know, the darkest. Yeah. Everything just felt locked up. and, And, you know, with few exceptions, people weren't, they were on the sidelines. They weren't interested in being in the market unless they just had some dire need. But it's nice to think even though it's going to take a while. No, I don't think anyone thinks that we're you know, going to be in a red hot rolling market next week or next month. But wouldn't it be great to be in an environment where every month is a little bit better than the last or at least not a way worse,
1: right? Well, this so, is predictable because anytime there's a campaign year, you know, the economy can be manipulated so rates are better. And we knew there would be an improvement, at least I suspected so. And I thought there would be a lot of little snippets you know, two or three or four little reductions to be an extra push for POTUS who's who's in office now. But I, I think the rates don't have to go down too much to really kind of kick up the demand again. At 8.15% interest rate, it was a killer. But, it broke the back of the market. But, it could, but the market 7%, could you know, page. people yeah. are back on their horse again. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, us, uh, and we- us
0: agents and us us in the business that are pretty good at what we do, we don't need the red hot rolling market, but we don't need a locked up market. That's not good for anyone. I mean, we, right. So, yeah, the spigot closed at 8%. And as it gets below 8%, it, it gradually opens. And there's somewhere around seven. I predict actually, we started today with rates like 709, like the the average mortgage daily news. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of today we're we have a six handle on mortgage rates. And you know, like six nine nine or six nine eight or something. Because yeah, the, um, the ten year
2: drop today.
0: Yeah, the 10-year year you're dropped like a rock. The 10-year yeah. treasury, which mortgage rates are very closely tied to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's a good thing. I feel like I mean, you the three of us and probably a lot of people listening have endured, you know, it's been challenging, right? And so to kind of get to this point. It just allows you to plan, right? Like you're you're not in that, I don't know land anymore. I mean, we're still in, I don't know land, but at least we know which direction we're headed overall when we get there, who knows. But you know, the thing that's interesting to me though, and I've been thinking about this for a while is that like, let's say rates go down, right? And people enter the market or buyers get back off the sidelines and they enter the market. And generally what that does, especially with lower inventory, which I know it's bumped up there a little bit, but it's still low, you know, historically, I wouldn't say, what was it? three and a half months or something on your latest report there. Does that sound right? Yeah, we're at three and a half months inventory here. Yes. So, you know, I think anything under four months is still considered pretty low in today's world to me, but- It's the highest it's been since,
0: what, 12 or 11 or 13 or something. It's, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: But it's still, still, you know, it's a pretty low number. I'd say if it gets to four and a half, five, it'll probably feel like there's a lot more houses on the market. But, you know, when those people come back in and they start buying- because interest rates are going down and we feel like we're at the end of this tunnel. Is it really a trade-off on affordability? Like are people going to really, are they going to pay a little higher price for stuff and take a little lower debt service to really end up about the same as if they had bought last month or sometime earlier this month, but psyche wise, they feel better about it. So they're willing to take it on. I don't know. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. Cause I feel like it's this little teeter totter game of buyer psyche that is really getting played and not so much, we'll call it affordability. Because I don't think rates are going to move to the extent that it makes a dramatic impact on affordability.
1: We had Rob Levy on last month. And he said that the four recessions that he lived through, prices only went down in one of them, like Mm -hmm. significantly. So I really do think that if the rates go down, I think the prices will hold, we got to really look at it like the prices today compared to a year ago or 18 months ago, they aren't the same because you would list something and they would sell for 175 grand over list price. Today, we see multiple price reductions before something finally sticks. So we'd be sticking our head in the sand if we didn't say that what homes sell for now are not what they were selling for 18 months ago or 12 oh, months
0: Oh, yeah. Ago. No, no, I agree with that, Joe. I agree with that. And remember, part of that too is we were in a rising environment for, for a couple of years, right? D- dramatically rising. So if the market was going up 10% year over year, like say in 21, and now we're going down 3%, that's a 13 point swing, right? That's a, I mean, it's not just, it's not just that we lost three percent, it's also we lost what we were gaining. so you know absolutely prices are down, but the data reads a little differently that with that. was your question Tucker was your question is there a big difference between eight and seven or is it all psychological? is
2: that was that I your think question? The difference between eight and seven or eight and six and three quarters is psychological
0: little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. but I would say there has to be a number there has to be that breaks the back of the market, right? I mean,
2: seven, seven, five and above broke the back,
0: right? Yeah. 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 I mean, and and
2: if I was going to exaggerate, I'd say, you know, no
0: one's going to sit here on this podcast and go, yeah, if if mortgage rates were 50%, I'm sure somebody's going to, you know, a lot of people are buying the houses. No, no, we know that that's an exaggerated number. So obviously that's, that's an exaggerated number. What is the number where it really diminishes? And it felt like it was around eight. Part of it too I think when they're going up really fast, it shocks the market and people stop shopping. And part of that is just a protective mode. I think people go into a hibernation. We experienced it in August and September. Rates just started climbing from like the high sixes to eight, eventually to get to eight. And even as they were going up, even as they were like a seven and a quarter, seven and a half, but they were just going up so fast that- I don't think people want to go out with their realtor, look at houses, and start on Monday looking at houses. And by the time they one they find it on Friday, the rates are half a percent higher. So they just kind of check out of the market when they're going up that fast. And I think that would happen. I think that would happen if there were five climbing dramatically to six or seven, right? The same same concept. So it's a little yeah, bit I, about maybe.
2: But I, if we looked at a chart of like the initial climb from like three and a half to five and a half, that was a pretty quick you know, as well.
0: And that was, <laughs> there was a little bit of a dead cat bounce there where people were just trying to grab a rate before, cause they knew what was coming. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I yeah.
2: mean, I, there's some merit to what you're saying for sure. I just, yeah. I think if they get higher. People get more like, uh,
0: uh. there is a psychological component for sure too. There is a psychological where they, maybe they think they could go back up to eight or I don't you know, whatever the case, they just know this is improved over. It's always beneficial to have what is out there today look better than what it looked like a month ago, right? I mean, there's, that's always beneficial. The opposite is is super problematic, right? Where somebody looked at something a month ago was thinking about it and now they look again and they're like, well, gosh, that's worse than it. You know, the payment is worse or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. It has been a challenging year. It, ultimately, I know lots of people in, the, in our business that are down 30, 40% on their production. Which is what the mark... I mean, okay, so remember that number I, I put out? I said, the US has 3.9 million units are predicted to, to close in 2023. 2021 was like 6.1 million. 22 was a little bit less than that. I think it was around maybe five some million, low fives or something. But I mean, that's a 50% drop in transactions. So if someone's business is down... You know, 30, 40 percent, they're maybe even better than average, right? My business, fortunately, we're ending up about even with what we did in 21 and 22, but it has not been a picnic. It has not been a picnic. I mean, in 21, you would list if you listed a hundred houses, you pretty much sold a hundred houses. In this year, there's a lot of nice houses we unlisted. We spent lots of effort, lots of marketing. Ended up, the sellers are just like, nah. I'm just gonna pull it off, stick, keep it for a while, or rent it, or whatever. And and there's just so there's things that worked before, and you you said this, Tucker, right? I mean, things that worked before don't work the same way today, and that and so you're just in flux. You're constantly on your toes, trying to figure out like what's the business model. Like you're used to an environment where like if I put this widget into the machine, out pops out. You know. Money, (laughs)
2: right? Yeah, basically. Now
0: you put the widget in the machine, and you got to tweak. I mean, it's just like everything's different. You got to tweak it differently, and 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 it doesn't work the same way. So it's it's yeah, it's it's stressful. It's problematic. Anytime the tide is receding, and that's what we were in. We were in an environment where in twenty one there was six million plus homes sold in this country. Twenty two was less. Twenty three is even less. Far less. So, the tide is receding. So, you don't know where the goalposts are. You don't know if I do X, it used to have this result. Now it's going to have a different result. And a month later, it's going to have even a different result. So, it's just, it will be so refreshing. It will be, we will all be energized in this business when that tide starts coming back our way. Meaning, things that didn't work last month might work this month. Things that worked, kind of a little bit last month, really work this month, right? What a great switch that'll be when the tide recedes and more transactions are happening. And and I'm hopeful that we're about to, you know, turn that corner.
2: It looks like it.
1: Yeah. And I want to do a couple things. We've gotten caught up on on Tucker, but Steve, you've had some changes with you and your company and do you want to talk about ownership change or anything like that? Sure, 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 sure. So earlier this year, by no
0: desire of our own, there was just some forced change with some a partnership. A statement was made by the company. Jeff Wyran put out a a well-crafted statement on behalf of the, the owners that, you know, one of the partners just there there was an incident and cause that occurred that we were, you know, trying to work with them on and understand the ramifications and how it was gonna affect the company. And ultimately, you know, that was not a productive process, and actually, it kind of got even worse in other areas with other things and and challenges that were occurring. And so, the the decision was made. Like, look, it's probably best if if you're not owners anymore. So let's try to figure out a you know a smooth transition of ownership that's fair for all. But that was not well received either. So you know, the majority of owners had to make a decision and under the, you know, the, the guidance of some really good legal advice, they, they did have to, you know, remove them as partners and, and they took to social media and, you know, made a lot of false allegations, unfortunately, and, and a lot of drama, but that has quite seemed to have quieted down and, and we're behind the scenes trying, you know, doing what needs to be done to protect the company, which is in great, is in great hands and, you know, is, is, has has not lost money yet, even despite you know the challenging market, and has has lots of money in the bank and reserves, and is in a, it has good strong footing and and so yeah, it's been interesting. It's been interesting for sure. It's it's nothing anyone wanted or planned, but you know
1: a lot of things in life are work that way, right? So you know, well, it's interesting to kind of clear the air because I mean I'm third party to everything. I you know grab my popcorn and I, I know. So the the original owners were the the yawks Kelly and and Lori Joe and they were pretty vocal on social media and then the new ownership was like media silence and so it was kind of out there for everybody unfortunately but it sounds like you had a transition where they got bought out and then the ownership change is you and Sarah, Sarah Johnston and, and
0: Jeremy Parks, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, and Sarah, so Sarah and Jeremy were married at one time, and and they went through a very amicable divorce years ago, years ago, and and so they're both they were both minority partners. I had the same ownership as the Ox, and so it's now the Yawks are, are no longer owners, and we've absorbed all their ownership shares. Yeah, so there and, is and so, not a new owner, and the, the company is not for sale, nor will it be for sale. It's it's in very strong footing, and we're. I'm the type, and and I know I can. I speak for my other partners as well. We're the type that, even though this isn't what we wanted or planned, w- when l- lemons are thrown at us, we're going to make lemonade. We're going to figure out like, okay, how do we how do we make this a positive thing? And and we already see it, you know, through and throughout that that we're going to you know have a, enter a golden era where there's a, a new energy, a new synergy, a younger you know vibrant culture that's going to thrive. That's going to thrive for the company. And so
1: and and then for the people who don't own companies. It might be important to mention that on their way out, then you defer to your operating uh, agreement, operating agreement, bylaws, your your buy sell agreement. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting paid. Yeah. Per per the agreement, so nobody's doing anything underhanded. They're. Oh my gosh!
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, it's very well defined. It's very well defined. Uh, Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let's face it partnerships ain't easy, right? They're just not. And so sure. they start off that way usually, but they don't usually end that way. And most partnerships I've always said end up being sinking ships. So if you can figure out how to just dismantle it without it sinking, then you're doing a great job because they're all going to end or go different directions at some point, right? So you got to have the the rules written on how that works before there's a lot of money at stake because then people get crazy and angry and they start doing you know all kinds of nutty stuff. So yeah, I I think a lot of the, the stuff that I, I mean, I was a, just a bystander to it but i saw a lot of stuff online it was like somebody's getting screwed really bad it's like no i I remember i had a conversation with somebody i was like i guarantee they're going to get whatever they deserve you know because there's an operating agreement and that's how you have to dismantle a company so you know let's not freak out and think that somebody just got thrown under the bus and backed over five times it's just not the way it works and if they did get an attorney and they
0: get paid that way. Right. So. Yep. Yeah. And the operating agreement just simply stated that there was a process of getting a valuation for a company that is fair to both sides through an yep. independent third party appraiser. And then over the course of five years, equal payments are made for that amount. to the prior owners, and that's how it would have been if I left the company voluntarily or involuntarily, that's how it would have been if Sarah, I mean, that's just, you know, that's how,
1: how it's treated. So. And that has to be a well-written operating agreement. I mean, it's kind of like insurance. Insurance covers every scenario. And you think it's impossible that the scenario could be infinity, but it's like, hey, this is what we cover if your house burns down, or if your house floods, or you know, you have black mold, or a hurricane picks up a herd of cattle and throws it through your house. That's covered too, and in, in, in insurance, they call that an act of God, but you have to be covered in absolutely every scenario. So when the partnership doesn't last anymore, you defer to the paperwork. Okay. Now what do we do? Oh, these three people do evaluations on on what it's worth. We take the average and they get paid. So I thought that was important that everything that you've kind of been through with your company and all the one-sided stuff on on social media, I think it's important for those who don't know operating agreements that you know the the yawks are being paid as per that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. agreement and anyway I know that's a difficult time and yeah and
0: well thank you Joe and I appreciate it and I know you've gone through a similar partnership change with your firm and, and you were very supportive during that process. I talked to you a couple of times and you kind of shared with me some of your story. And it's just, you know, you're going through that as the market is about to inflect. You're having, you know, there's a lot going on in fall of 2023 that, you know, we'll all look back and go, man, we survived some crazy stuff back then. But it is what it is, right? I mean, I I'm I've always been an optimistic, positive guy and and you know, you you're what defines you is not how you do during the good times. It's how you get through the bad times. Right. And so here we are. We're getting through it. And and yeah, so I'm, I appreciate you bringing it up, Joe. And, and yeah, there's a, there's a, 2023 has been an interesting year, to say the um, least.
1: Hey, I have a, a friend that just dropped in, and I'm gonna say hi real quick. But let's talk about 2023. We had some big things. We had the NAR lawsuit. Are you are
2: you up on that, Tucker? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if you guys think it's gonna actually change the landscape of anything, or if it's just a bunch of kind of
0: white noise. I mean, I would say, Tucker, if I'm a betting man, which I actually am, so <laughs> so I know I'd say it's fifty fifty here now. I mean, and that changes all the time, but but yeah, I'd say it's fifty-fifty. I think a few years from now, there could be it's quite possible there's no buyer's agent compensation in the form that we see it.
2: If you think Maybe that down the line though, right, like it gets really messy because then it's like, okay, how many buyers are gonna come out of pocket to pay a buyer's agent? Probably not that many. So then are they gonna inflate sales prices to then pay it? And then are we gonna have appraisal issue? I mean, there's like there's it's, there's a long line of like dominoes, you know, if that actually goes that way, which is why I kinda don't think it will. Where do buyers go, right? Who do they use? They go directly to the selling agent.
0: It might go directly to the selling agent. Some might pay but a little bit gonna, for a buyer's agent. Get,
2: yeah, You're going to have to hire somebody dedicated just to deal with people that have no idea what they're doing, that are calling your line, that want to buy a house, but they're going to act as buyer's agent, but you're going to have to pay them to just- yeah.
0: it could change the business. Day, I people. mean, think back to, but to, Tucker, think about it though. Think back to 06, what the mortgage industry was like and think about what it was like in 13, 12, right? It changed dramatically. There's nothing to say that an industry can't get changed in big way, right? Remember I, when we used to- we used to call appraisers and tell them what we needed on refis, and we picked <laughs> our appraisers, and they oh, were our yeah. buddies, and we take oh, them out to drinks. Of yeah, and was... you, we we remember we we you know used to raise the rate and make more money. I mean, there was just so much that was different that all of a sudden changed. I've been through that, so I'm. It could happen here. It could happen here. Now, now I don't think it's gonna be all bad. I think it will affect some. You know, those who. I think it could there could be winners and losers in that you know you you just made a good point like you're going to need someone on your team to handle that well maybe teams are going to be in a more advantageous spot because you can go get a listing and say look Mr. seller the buyer's probably going to call us directly I'll represent you I've got a team member that's going to help them and I can pay them even though through the MLS we can't pay other buyers agents I can pay my team members so I mean there could be advantages to certain people and it's kind of like COVID, right? Remember in COVID when we we, we, we would did these shows, we said there's winners and losers here, right? The restaurants are losing. Golf is winning. Real estate is winning, right? I don't know that everyone in this industry is going to be, you know, have the same happens, outcome.
2: Yeah. I think if it happens, having operating teams is going to become almost a necessity Which will probably shrink the number of agents there are, just because it would
0: definitely shrink the number of
2: agents.
0: It would definitely shrink the number of agents, and and they were due. We were due for a shrinking. I think we got up to a million and a half in the country. It could easily, if this something big happens with this, we could easily lose a
1: third to be down to a million. It has it has shrunk already, and then the month of January is when NAR sticks everybody for the six (laughs) ninety fee. That's normally the tipping point. Like if if you're not closing many deals, you know, here you're feeding money into a profession, you're not making money. That's usually the catalyst that people are like, you know, that that's where they tap.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And you could be right, Tucker. I I mean I the days after know. the lawsuit came out, the days after the lawsuit came out, I thought it was imminently, maybe, you know, cuz cuz what we started hearing was copycat lawsuits and I was almost wondering if NAR was just going to say, "Hey guys, we can't we can't fight 100 lawsuits. Change this now." Now, that was that's been a couple months ago. So, and it hasn't happened. So, maybe a couple years from now nothing changed. I don't know, but one thing I've said and I believe firmly is Listing agents always have been king, but in the new world, if that did change, they'd even be more so. So just being a strong listing agent is a good, safe place to be regardless of what happens in the future in this business. I think buyer's agents eh, could be okay, couldn't. I think it's a little more shaky and unknown. So, What's the
2: uh, old saying? Sold agent used to tell me all the time, he goes, list the last, list the last.
1: Yeah, yeah, list. yeah. That's yep. right.
2: It's, it's, That's my
1: <laughs> listing yeah. is okay. listing is the only way you can go to you know Hawaii for 14 days and have you know three homes sell right yeah yeah you can't you know you can't show property when you're out of town that's why listings are great with chaos is opportunity I don't <laughs> absolutely know that. Tao, absolutely because
0: so I many think... people
1: lose their heads we
0: saw that during covid so many people
1: lose their heads
0: they spend so much energy fighting the change. That they have no energy left to deal with the change and navigate the change, right? And we saw some of that with COVID. And we, we you see it when anytime there's a big change, right? With anything,
1: and yeah. So, so you guys have heard of the boiling the frog analogy, right? Yeah. You throw a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. You put a frog in cold water and turn the heat on, and it slowly boils to death because it doesn't realize it's happening. If you look at what Zillow is doing right now. They bought follow-up boss, which is a great reason not to use follow-up boss anymore. They bought showing time and they also purchased one other statistic gathering thing. I forgot what it was, but this is going to be like a Redfin-esque. If these lawsuits and copycat lawsuits happen, they're going to come out with like, hey, hire us as a buyer agent. We have a flat fee of five grand and we will write your offer for you, negotiate repairs and it will close. And on a million dollar house, normally that's in the $25,000 range, you know, $22,500, whatever the the BAC is, but I think there's an opportunity for these companies to say call our people and we'll go write it for you just like an attorney will and the cost is going to be 5 grand instead of what a normal BAC or not normal what a competitive bac normally is i think that's coming i really do
2: that sounds like the most logical progression i guess of everything we've kind of thrown out here i don't think it'll disappear so how does it kind of become something that most it's palatable to most people that seems like the version that probably is it
0: yeah and let me let me throw this at you tucker cuz you know this as well as anyone cuz you're a professional seller in the past you know, I don't know how much you're selling these days, but you know, you've always been a professional seller, meaning you build houses and you're always a seller. We in my world, I deal with a lot of resale people, they're just a one and done seller every 10 years. You're you were you were selling every day. So you you'd get this well. How frustrating for you? Say you've got a property, it's listed in a million dollars, and some buyer's agent brings you an eight, eight fifty offer, and they're gonna get the exact same commission percentage-wise as somebody that brought you a million dollar offer, right? So there must be an element of you that goes, man. It sure would be nice when that buyer's agent writes that offer. If at that point it's negotiable, how much I get to pay them, instead of the BAC was predetermined. Whoever brings the offer, regardless of how talented, how good they are, how bad they are, how poorly the offer is written, how how nice of an offer it is, or how you know insulting of an offer it is, wouldn't it be nice if that offer comes in? And they go, "Will you please pay me Tucker on my eight fifty offer two two and a half percent?" And you go, you know. I'll counter your eight fifty offer, and I'm countering you up, but I'm also countering down your BAC because I don't like you because <laughs> you're kind uh, of a jerk and you're trying to beat me up. So that could be. I can see where I can see where maybe that would be a model that that made sense in the future. Maybe there is a BAC, but it's negotiable at the time of the offer. There's another component to how that could shake up, right?
2: I mean, I know people get super offended whenever you bring that up because I brought it up from you know before when people bring you know a less than stellar offer let's call it price wise without anything other than their own justification which is arbitrary right that was a very sensitive topic for a long long time oh so maybe, it
0: wasn't it you couldn't it wasn't a topic you could have because the BAC yeah, was established it became like, you know world yeah. war
2: 3 so i that might happen as well maybe uh, yeah so but on the flip it'll side, be interesting if people brought you an amazing offer and it was over list and easy clients sometimes you paid them a bonus, right? Because maybe, they did their job. Yeah. You
1: know, man, so. Yeah. yeah. What else goal. is on the agenda, Joe? Oh, okay. So to our listeners and subscribers, we love and appreciate you. We love talking with people who are are not afraid of learning. And I, I was just looking at some of the last podcasts and I want to go through and just rattle off like 2023's fire list of rockstar people. We started the year with our market being a little, you know, turbulent and we had Dill Ward and the headline is the markets between your ears, whatever you hear about rates and all this other stuff, forget it. Just just put your head down, do what you do and ignore all the chatter and the pity parties and the, you know, stitch and bitch sessions that everybody wants, you know, to be the victim. Just do your work. Plow forward. And I love her attitude. We also very timely had Jeff Wyron and Jeremy Rogers talk about the new Oregon Realtor forms on the day, the exact day those forms were released. We had them on the podcast live in Facebook and they were unpacking and why it's better. And we asked them, you know, Steve, you remember we didn't pull any punches. It's like, why do you have another set of forms why didn't you make the first one's better why are yours better than the other ones why should we use yours we held their feet to the fire they answered every single one of them it hasn't really taken off though and i think the reason for that is because everyone already fluently knows one set of forms and i
0: think th- i believe them i think they're a better form but i you know the market just you know real realtors don't like change and people in general don't like change and realtors especially I think they have a better form, but it just hasn't to date, you know, taken off and it is what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was well thought out and I think they had some yeah. great provisions that are better, but you can only communicate in the language that other people understand well, did, and they did know you, OREF you, inside and out.
0: Didn't you use the analogy of you never want to be the first person to have, to have a fax machine? Because who are you going to yes. fax? I mean, Correct. that's kind of that's kind of the 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 conundrum that it's been is like- no one wants to be the first person to really try to use those forms cuz whoever you send them to is like what's this this is chinese send me yeah. a, on the one i know so short of some some you know massive event that makes everybody have to use them all at once which i don't know how you how you manipulate that then it's just challenging yeah
1: yep and then so after the forms thing we had repeat guest eric post talking about huzi 2023 was all about Artificial AI. right?
0: oh my gosh. AI yeah. is going
1: to take over the world and it's going to replace jobs and artists and songwriters and paralegals. It's, uh, I like Eric. We've had him on a few times and that guy's always got his fingers in something. And he's just, he's got that brain that's kind of out there. And it was I think a great... When- Years Great from now, podcast. we will
0: look back at 2023 as being the year of artificial intelligence, AI. I mean, it yeah. became the buzzword. If you pay attention to the, the you know CNBC and the business world, every earnings call, whether you made Subway sandwiches as your product, or you were financial investments, or- Cars, everybody their stock would pop if they said, Yeah, we're we're using AI. I <laughs> mean, it just became the buzzword. It became it reminded me, it reminded me this year a lot of what cryptocurrency was, you know, a few years back, right? Where everybody was jumping on the crypto bandwagon, some way, shape, or form, thought it was gonna change everything. That's what artificial intelligence was this year. And it's been,
1: yeah, it's been interesting. So and then we had Scott Fouser with House Happy, which was enlightening because Scott's brilliant. He's a really smart guy, and you know I've known him for a long time. And everything he touches is is amazing. House Happy is terrific, and I was a little shocked. As big as they are, so many people have never heard of them before to solve all of your real estate problems. If you need any kind of a service or contractor or anything. They do all the vetting and you call someone and they're perfect. We then went into there's enough real estate for everybody with Justin Stoddart with Pro Insight. He's always good. He's a motivational speaker. He's he's a coach. He's all kinds of things. That was a spirited thing. And then we had we had Ezra so, which Hammer. Which one was
0: that one? Say that one again, Joe. I'm sorry, I, I looked away for a second. Uh Justin Stoddart. Oh, who, oh yeah. We had Justin back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. He's Justin's been a real Always. He's, a great he's almost speaker. like the new Joe Fostolo I mean, he's like a he's just a solid repeat guest that brings a lot of good value. I I, I like Justin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then so we had Ezra Hammer on again and Jeremy Housley of Jordan Ramis attorneys. And they we talked about zoning. It was kind of a sleeper, because you know how exciting is zoning? Really? It's it's not, but was it important and was it mm-hmm. valuable? I mean, look. Are they changing codes that you can't have Northwest Natural gas in in a house anymore, new construction? That's a big deal. I yeah. mean, so anyway, it it probably not the most flashiest and sexy, but it was a great podcast. And then Anthony Taylor Weber of, you know, Outdoor Living Spaces, where he makes his his whole business built on she sheds basically, or he sheds or they should You listen that, to that
0: one Tucker. Yeah. If you didn't get a chance, you should you <laughs> the should the check that out. Yeah, I
2: I, I did not. Um, He's got an I, interesting actually, business you know, I, model. I, I think I I listened to a little bit of it cuz I'm just curious. I, didn't he have a one of them at the Street of Dreams or something? Yes. Yeah, did okay. you go to that? No, I didn't. I it was it went on the last night I was in town and just packing and all that. So
0: Interesting business model. He's really leaned into the you know, prefab, build it in your backyard it categorized as a shed, but it's really living space and it's affordable. He's got it down. It's, he, he's doing well with it. And I think he's, and he's going into other markets with it. It's an interesting, it's an interesting model. And he was, he was quite a talker. He, he's a natural podcaster. He does his oh, own podcast great. and he, uh, I think he I, I could have us. sat
1: that one. I could have sat that one out between yeah. you two. I <laughs> could have just tuned in and watched. Yeah. And I want to say the name of his company, Steve, is it outdoor, outdoor of- office? Yeah. Outdoor, outdoor office. office. Yeah. yeah. Finally, the last one we had Rob Levy, we unpacked the NAR debacle and what that might mean to us. and and what's nice about Rob, he's he's been a broker for 35 years, very knowledgeable, lived through four recessions. He not only sells real estate at a high level, I think he's licensed in three states. And he and Dirk Zeller also own, you know 60 rentals each, something to, to that effect and those guys together do something that that i hear from realtors all the time and it's passive income how to buy doors and start getting paid and you build up those doors and that number you get paid monthly grows you know 10 grand a month and 20 grand a month and whatever it may be and then by the time you check out and say i'm going to be a you know a full-time fisherman or or water skier or whatever the hell it is you're doing, you're getting this passive income. These guys talk about that. And I promised, we promised Rob that we would have those two on mm-hmm. doing their segment where they go, they fly around the United States talking about how they invest. And I really want them on for my own knowledge, but mm-hmm. I think everybody will will benefit from that. So in 2024, sometime in the first or second quarter, we'll have them both on. And, and that'll be a great show as well. Yeah. I'm excited for that one too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You've had some great guests this year, great shows. So. Hey, one of the things I, I meant
0: to give you this plug too, Tucker, one of the things you did and said when, when you were leaving the area and you were, you know, you were phasing out of the, the podcast to our listeners, Tucker didn't sell the podcast. He didn't try to profit from it. He didn't try to maneuver anything. He just said, guys, I want to set you up for success. And ultimately i i want to see the podcast live on and thrive and congratulations you were you were able to do that tucker so thank you we appreciate that handoff and 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 yeah it's it's doing well and 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 we we see many 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 more years to come
2: right it's joe a, it's a great brand it's and you guys have taken the torch and ran with it and you've been you've been at, added more tech than i ever could have <laughs> to it, which is great. It's, it's grown. So it's, it's awesome to see, honestly, I, I I'm happy to have done it. And I'm even happier to know that you guys kind of continued with it and kind of made it your own as well.
1: Yeah. And I don't awesome. know the exact numbers, but when we were talking to the people who edit it and post it everywhere, you listen to podcasts, they post it. And I remember some time ago, we had like 160,000 downloads, but with the, the master's group and us getting more known, I would say we're probably at a at like 200,000 downloads mm-hmm. would be my prediction. And it's mm-hmm. hard to track because we're on every platform. We're yeah. on six different yeah. platforms. We also have a YouTube station, which is a, a video and audio. And you can watch from, it in
0: masters. You can watch it yeah. in masters. And a lot of times in masters, I remember during... During the, the some of our most watched shows were during the COVID, the early days of COVID. I remember when we had Randy on and Justin on and Terry on and, you know, what the heck is going on? And we would get a thousand views just on the video in Masters. That's not even downloading the podcast, right? So yeah, I mean, there are different, like you said, Joe, there's different ways. To, some A lot of times people ask me, well, how many people watch your podcast? Well, we don't know necessarily because there's different ways to consume it, right? So, but it's a lot. It's a lot, and and we get a you know, we get a lot of great feedback, and you know, one of the other things that's magic about it, Tucker, we we were talking about it, is we 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 don't have an agenda. Joe and I aren't actively trying to gain anything from this podcast. We're trying to give to, on this podcast. We're trying to help people, and when that's and that's how you set it up too. It's always been that way. Remember over the years, how many times do people approach us still, Joe and Tucker, back when you were around? Oh, can I be on your podcast? I want to sell this or that, or or promote yeah. this or that, and. And that's not what the podcast is about, right? It's about giving value and, and being a good platform to,
1: to help our industry,
0: just like Masters in, in, in real estate is.
1: It's, you know, so Masters in the podcast, they're two full-time unpaid jobs. And not only are they unpaid, they cost money and time. Yeah. yeah. And we're doing this to kind of lift everybody up by their bootstraps. And, yep. you know, I have two other paid jobs but I think this is very valuable because you know you can listen to our podcast and, and be a little smarter about the economy and, and what's coming down the pipeline, or you can listen to you know Joe Rogan where they just laugh all the time and talk about smoking pot and all everything they talk about, which doesn't have any value other than just entertainment. And if this could help you, maybe be better, more collaborative, more knowledgeable, more techie, more ethical, more cooperative. All of those things translate to being more profitable and easier to work with because we will end up working together eventually. So well, and what that's these, what both motivates these, us. Yeah, both what both of these
0: platforms do, the the podcast and masters in real estate is they unite our industry, right? We're not all lone wolves trying to figure out what's this new NAR lawsuit, what what are the implications of it or what's the market doing? We're able to communicate with each other, even if we're in different companies, even if we're in different markets, even if somebody's in Bend, they can talk to someone in the metro area or, you know, Seattle and all the region, right, is where both of these kind of have a a following. So they serve a very valuable purpose in giving a united voice to our industry. And and we can bring on guests to help with that on the podcast, but, you know, in Masters, anyone can jump in and, and communicate that way. So- Okay, well, okay. hey, I think speaking of which, I think this is one of our longest podcasts, and I know that by the way, because we were going through it the other day with a consultant that we work with, and they were saying, "Yeah, your longest one ever has been ninety minutes," and I think we're about ninety-three minutes Did right you now. Think so. it was going to be
2: shorter with the three of us. <laughs> <on>? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> there was there was a lot to catch up with Tucker
2: on. So. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. Tucker wants to go uh, out there wakeboarding. He's getting fidgety. So uh... Uh, actually, my
2: hey, uh, Tucker son just got dropped off at the office here, so he's a. He's breaking something out there More Tucker. Online.
0: next time you come let's go out to my country club and the three of us and let's play some golf at twalton country club and by the way yes i am a lot better than you i'm a, I'm a 9.3 handicap now and i want to i want to actually kick your butt i want to kick your butt at something
2: and yeah, yeah. you, pr- you uh-huh. probably will i mean it depends on the day you know i've i've been known to eagle a par five or two in my day but you're definitely it. overall so
0: yeah i but, love it okay
1: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting-edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group, and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great.